a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Hello. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. It's me, the one-time, now second-time guest, (laughs) Alex Falcongrove. Filling in for Katrina Dwyer. That's not her full name. That's definitely not. Okay. No. No. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about Kat other than we wish her well. And as is tradition, we must, you know, drink in her name. Of course. Cheers. So I I was here two weeks ago and introduced the guest shot. And apparently Welcome. everyone wanted to drink so bad, they invited me back. Oh, oh, oh yeah. So here yes. we go. We like it. For okay. uh, wait. <laughs> for Torna so, and I, we will immediately be shooting without a song. We will only do a toast. Yes. However, Stephen <laughs> has to do the toast. You, okay. You've you've seen the you've seen the TikTok with the kid who's like, your man might have like the full Lego Death Star, but can he drink a sparkling water without burping? <laughs> yes. I don't have shooting whiskey, you guys, so I'm going to chuck a white claw. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And the chug is fine. You have eight seconds. We're not going to make you shotgun a white claw. Uh, But you you do have to drink the whole thing in eight seconds. Eight Uh, seconds. I will say, I went to the bar like, eh, it was a couple months ago. I feel like I should get a towel It was like a Tuesday. I just wanted like a beer to hang out, and like the white claw rep was there. And like handing him out. Like, like, oh, and you to, got a bunch of free you, white claws. You have to shotgun it. And then he's like, comes to our table, gives us all shotgun. He's like, shotgun this. No one can shotgun a white claw faster than I can. I'm the rep. And uh, he, that is, yeah, that is, I didn't doubt sure him. Enough, I didn't doubt him, is, but it was, he proved it. That is, that is big boy energy right there. <laughs> Dude, on your resume, what do you do? Fastest white claw chugger in the West. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, to Kat and, really uh, and to kind of our conversation today, to the boys as well. Yes. The boys. Amen. Steven, don't drink yet. We have to drink for you. I mean, you sing for to... you. Oh, Sorry. I don't think I can do this in eight seconds. I'm so But to nervous. Torna and I, yes. you know. <laughs> Lahayo. Okay. Enjoy. And now, we like to drink with Henning, because Henning, you should be drinking right now. Oh, okay, here. We like to drink with (laughs) Henning, because Henning is our mate. We like to drink with Henning. He gets it down in eight, seven, six, five. He looks miserable. Four, Four, three. three, Can he do it? Two, two, one. one. Oh, God. Oh, God. He's still going. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's not even gone. Oh, call an ambulance. <laughs> oh, this is miserable podcasting. It's like all over my shirt. Did you see that? Okay. Well done. <laughs> There's a lot of liquid in these cans. <laughs> hey, wait, how many ounces is this? 
Hold on. Cat would be proud. I will say, uh. Cat. Oh, and a solid crush. <laughs> I think Cat would be disappointed because we just shot tequila. Yeah. That is her drink of and choice. It was so good. That is. Oh, and I just tortured myself. <laughs> Don't worry, tequila is also torture. So you're Why not did missing we make, out. It's seriously like all over my <laughs> shirt. So you did need a towel. Yeah, that was probably a good call. Okay, now I have to classy it up somehow with whiskey. Like, <laughs> with some uh, some of that good, good. You've got, you've seen you've. <laughs> most importantly, everyone has heard me do the most undignified <laughs> way of drinking. Uh, and now. Close second oh. behind that white claw rep. Yeah, close second. Definitely, you did. You, you did could race um, him. I. Uh, I'm embarrassed. If I'm honest, <laughs> that was bad. I wish I had uh, recorded Wowzers. this, but it's all right. There's no video, dude. You're safe. Yeah, yeah. I did take a I picture. Know. I got a good screen capture, and it's wow. now on uh, on Instagram. I like. I did the tip back, and I'm like, oh my god, there's still so much in here. <laughs> This was dumb. Uh, yeah, I'm impressed. I don't, I don't generally like shotgun things because I'm more of a sipper. Don't do sparkling things either. That no, no, definitely not. <laughs> but alas, I do not have shooting alcohol. I like it would be sacrilegious to. Yeah. Oh, of course. Shoot this delicious six. That was never an option. Ruin. No, never. It never. wasn't, and I, I would, I would be more embarrassed. Sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna be burping the rest of the episode. That's exactly what I thought would happen. This is this is miserable. <laughs> well, hopefully you've learned your lesson. I've learned my lesson. I need to buy some tequila or something. You need to get your yeah. You need to get yourself something to shoot. Yes, I do. If we're gonna keep having guests, and yeah. uh, let's get some wild rye vodka. It's like twelve dollars a bottle. It's delicious. Deal. Keep it in the freezer, right? It's easier. You can. Yeah, it's just vodka. nice because it's cold. Better cold. Warm water or cold water? Room temperature. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I do room temperature water. I don't like cold water. Yeah. Oh, well. well, never mind. Don't put your vodka in the freezer. Okay. Deal. I won't. Only if I you also... don't want your RA to find out about it. Well, That's then you, you just can. put it in Nalgene's, right? Or like a water bottle or something? How would you know? How would I? Because I've seen TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of TV, you know it's a lot like TV. I don't know. What? Torna, don't no Torna. You know what? Yeah, I like do TV, know, right? Yeah, right. come on. All right, so we're we're oh all hanging God. out tonight. Um, <gasps> I wanted to. Well, Henning asked, like, oh, what do you want to talk about this week, Torna? And for some reason, well, not for some reason, but I've been thinking a lot about um, how much TV consumption there was, well, how much TV consumption there is, and how that was just heightened um, during this whole pandemic and people being stuck at home and, um, you know, a million, all these movies then came to TV instead of theaters. Uh, And that got me thinking as someone that is a pretty big fan of video games how there is a pretty well for more towards towards men specifically because there's a larger demographic of men that play video games there's a lot more of a negative 
opinion of playing video games as an adult, whereas there's almost no qualm with uh, copious consumption of TV. Or any, for that matter. Yeah. I don't think there's any. It to be a large amount? No, no. But Oh, but it is a large amount. But first... Yeah, what are we I need drinking, to know Torna? what you guys are drinking. <laughs> yeah, oh right, Dirk, because we just, this was just, you know, the aperitif. We're doing all sorts of things differently. Henny chugs a painful... <laughs> I can't wait to come to Denver, because I'm, I'm going to bring, like, a box of goodies. We'll have we'll have aperitifs, we'll have digestives, uh, I don't know. Hey, when you're in Denver, you're going to receive a box of goodies, and I don't know that it will be alcohol. Ayo! Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Some of that... <laughs> Good. You don't have to. No, Colorado corn corn flakes. Corn flakes is what we're going with. That's the euphemism we're going with. That's what we're famous for. (laughs) Colorado corn flakes. Yeah. We get the corn from Nebraska and turn it into flakes here, which we sprinkle on the Alpines. Yeah, and they also use it to melt ice in the winter. Ooh! Wow! Add a little crunch to your fancy. Cosmic brownies and stuff. Yeah, too. You, you know how guys, people. Well, we are you, off the rails. Already. Yeah, I know. But you know how people will sometimes like have sandbags or cat litter in the back of their car because it acts as like you can throw it on the road if you're stuck and it'll give you traction. You can do it with sixty pound bags of cornflakes as well. It's the same thing. I um, bet that tracks. I'm so distracted right now. <laughs> we never record with cameras. This yes. is awesome. Booze. Um, tonight. In uh, honor of talking video games and kind of like more pop culture, we are drinking a Johnny Silverhand, a cocktail that is featured in the video game Cyberpunk 2077, which came out. Did it come out? It came out this year, 2021. Mid COVID. Yeah, mid COVID. No, or did it come out end yeah. of 2020? I was watching Twitch streamers play it, which makes me think 2020. Uh, I played it, so um, maybe it was over Christmas, so it must have been over Christmas because I played it and beat it, so. No one's no one's going to trust us if no, we don't even know when Silverpunk came out. Anyway, Johnny Silverhand, it's a cocktail that's featured in the game. It is two ounces of tequila, uh, a little bit of a agave nectar. We've got some bitters as well as muddled chilies. I decided to go with some smoked chilies. I muddled it in there. It's got like a nice smoky taste to it. And then to garnish it off, it calls for an orange peel. I didn't have any. So I ended up taking a lime and I just kind of candied it with chili powder and threw it in there. I was wondering what that is. Yeah. Kind of delicious. Nice. Because it's trying to be like a different kind of old fashioned. Exactly. It's like a a Mexican old fashioned. Great choice. Yeah. Honestly, it's in line with, you know, the margarita world. They they go great together. So yeah, I thought it was an appropriate cocktail. Cheers. Second. Seconded. Uh, for the record, Cyberpunk 2077 came out in September of 2020. There you wow. go. I bought that's it on all. release. That's <clears throat> like almost a year ago. Huh. Time flies, hey? <laughs> Time flies when you're <laughs> trapped inside. Time has uh, been I was, I wasn't trapped, trapped inside. If we're honest. Yeah. Oh. I know what it was. I got COVID like a couple weeks after it came out. So I bought it on release and then didn't have any time to play video games. And then I got COVID and I was stuck inside for a week, 10 Mm. days, actually. 
Oof. then that's, you know, I was like, okay, I'll just beat this game. Prime gaming time. Yeah. I'm stuck inside. I hate it. Well, well done. What did you think of Cyberpunk? I loved it. Honestly, I've got like a mediocre tier computer. Uh, people complained about like performance issues. They complained about like glitches. Um, I had like no performance issues, uh, almost no glitches, some like really minor stuff. Uh, and I've played through it twice. It's been great. So nice. I don't, I don't know. No complaints. What I had are, fun. I would say if anything, so listeners get a gauge on what kind of games we consume and what we know about, what are like some, some top threes, some faves. Cyberpunk doesn't have to be one of them, even though you gave it a pretty good review. Oh, oh yeah, it's definitely not one of them, but it was, I mean, it kept my attention through the whole campaign, so that's that's a win for me. Uh, it did its job. It did there its it job. <laughs> so, I'm just going to say, I'm a big fan of, like, single-player story games. That's just kind of what I vibe with. Um, one of my all-time favorite game series is the Uncharted games. Mm. Um, any listeners, which I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that aren't into video games, uh, it's kind of like an Indiana Jones-esque adventure game. So these really cool um, adventures you go on, like, uh, you know, uncovering treasure and, you know, just like Indiana Jones. Uh, and they've got a really good story. I always enjoyed those. Um, big fan of those. I like the Witcher I think games. I little. you've got a little Nathan Drake energy yourself. Oh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> Role models. Yeah. Uh, really like the Witcher, the Witcher series. Uh, I love the Bioshock series. Played Let's Bioshock. Go. That's, that's my all-time it's top. Incre- the story's incredible. Uh, a Bioshock lot of po- Infinite was a little different. I am about halfway through that. I will not say anything more than... <laughs> I've been playing through it for like two years. <laughs> I'm a very, Good very work. casual gamer. Um, Good work. But Bioshock 1 and 2 are awesome. They deal with a lot of really cool uh, politics and weird, you know, futuristic fall of man um, at the, you know, man pretends to play God and the consequences are present all throughout. Um, that's a pretty good, pretty good thing. But also when you release all morals, you can shoot lightning from your hands. Right, exactly. These are the trade-offs we must consider. Yes. <laughs> I have not finished Witcher, but I also started playing Witcher throughout COVID, and that was my COVID Very game. Very nice. Did you play, uh, I've played Witcher 2 and 3, I never played the first one. I think I'm starting on Witcher 3? The it, Wild it's, Hunt. It's really, yeah, it's really good, so it's like, okay. why would you not? Henning? Henning? Yeah, boys, I feel... Speaking of something doing its job... How the, how's that white claw treating you? Under, um, my He's stomach is still feeling it more than my head. Um, <laughs> I'm doing the work. Well, yeah, we'll settle into it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so, your favorite games? My favorite games. You're, you're a different flavor of gamer, which is why I'm glad you're here. Oh my gosh, okay. I'm glad you're glad I'm here because I feel yeah. I'm like listening. To, see, I've like I haven't even heard of half the games you guys are naming. I don't know that you would like Bioshock, but okay, fair enough. I'm it. a Nintendo man through and through. Mm-hmm. I 
I own the consoles. I have Nintendo 64, GameCube. Oh, yeah? What's what's Mario's brother's name, if you're such a Nintendo fan? Wario. Checkmate, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> checks Waluigi. Out. He, lo- he loves Nintendo. <laughs> yes. He checks out. He's got it. It's Donkey Kong, you idiot. Um... <laughs> So, Nintendo Man, I have the 64, GameCube, Wii, and Nintendo Switch at this point. My top three favorite games, um, of course, if we're in the Nintendo world, we have to say Super Smash Bros. Melee mm-hmm. on oh, the Oh, a Melee fan. Gold standard Super Smash Bros. right there. Gold standard. What's your go-to fighter? There's no DLCs. I'm a uh, Captain Falcon or a Falco fan. Uh, Falco's great. Falcon Punch! Falcon yes. Kick! Yes! How's this that? is why we're friends. Look, I remember, Falcon's in my last name, dude. I have to be able to do course, that. Of course, definitely. Of course. I, d- I remember playing Super Smash Bros. in your basement on the 64, Alex. Wow. This is a treasured memory of mine. Beautiful. Back when we were best friends like 20 years ago, and then we just like started talking during COVID. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So, Super Smash Bros. Melee, and then I have to jump straight to Switch and say Zelda Breath of the Wild. Absolutely. That's what I you were going to say. It's yeah. like, the I have never really been into games like that, like that very expansive, like mm-hmm. player-driven, like you can go literally anywhere and we have something for you there. I always felt those Steven were really- Steven used to hate sandboxes. I Yeah, I actually did, though. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, we built you a sandbox in the backyard and you just threw sand inside. Yeah. I but, need structure. <laughs> Give me the instructions to the Legos. Yeah. I don't Where are my it. Legos? <laughs> I want linear progression. I was, yeah, very much an inside kid. Can you tell? But it, Breath of the Wild was the first game like that that I was like, okay, I get it. I get it now. Thing is, is I'm very like completist when I play video games. So like once I'm into it, like I have found all 120 shrines. Like I've made Ooh. probably the most money I could. Got the DLC, got the bike, all that. I've done everything except beat Ganon because you can't just like reload a game after you've defeated Ganon. You just have to mm. like let him continue to live in the castle. But you can do everything else, and it's awesome. That's that's pretty evil, Henning. Just letting, the just letting the dictator just, <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, hey, shouldn't you like be doing something important? And you're like, I need rich. more money. I'm getting rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a morality question there, but you've um, just become a second Ganon. There's yeah, maybe. I'm just a lazy hero, is what I am. <laughs> I like being more powerful based like against all the henchmen, but I don't <laughs> mm. I don't care about the boss. Um, and then I guess it's not, I, I know it originated on Steam, but I play it on Nintendo Switch. I am a big fan of Stardew Valley. That's going to be the third one I name. That mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't even know what, you can tell I'm not much of a gamer. I don't know what that style is called where it's like, it's 3D, but it's flat. You know, like the original Zelda games and stuff. What would you call that? Uh, there's a for specific... sure like a world building there's a specific name Farm for it. game. Yeah. yeah. It's like a two... Well, it's not quite... It, yeah, it's like a 2D scroller almost. Well, no, because scrollers are like side to side, but... 
I'd give it scroller because it's yeah. not a platformer. It's not like you're jumping on stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Map. Correct. No, though now with the update, you can sit on benches <laughs> and it's awesome. Nice. You can actually use your furniture and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Henning's the, the casual gamer. The um, casual yeah. like cartoon gamer. Yeah, that's great. Mario Kart probably sounds like you play. Oh, absolutely. That's a classic. Yeah, all that, the... Mario Kart Double Dash on the GameCube is the first and only video game I've ever gotten my mother to play. Nice. That's actually really awesome. So, pretty hyped on that. Into that. So, Alex, you said you're really into Bioshock. For sure, Bioshock. Mm -hmm. I would say that's probably second favorite. The whole series is great. Like I said, Infinite is a different flavor. It received a little bit of hate, which I think is undue. I don't think people needed to hate on it as much as they did it's it's not one and two which is why everyone was so upset mm -hmm. i love uh psychological thrillers as movies and bio the bioshock series is just a psychological thriller that you play yes oh, exactly okay and oh my god um even the mechanics in two are very polished that's probably the best of the games but in one i've never been so scared because because you come up to a big daddy and you're like, oh my God. You know, every time, even when it's later in the game and you're like, I'm out of ammo, I can yeah. get him to half health. And then after that, yeah. uh, he's going to kill me. In the second game, you can get powerful enough that a big daddy is just like, whatever, he's another enemy. But the fear that is in you in Bioshock 1 when you meet a big daddy is yes. so good that a game can make you feel like that. Yeah, it's nice because it's like you said, it's psychological thriller. It doesn't it doesn't tip into horror like the Silent Hill games or right. um, Resident Evils um, or Dead Space. Um, Just enough fear. Right. It's no, there's not there's like I don't even think there's there maybe like one or two jump scares. Um, so it's fine. Meanwhile, meanwhile, yeah. I'm harvesting like parsnips on my on Stardew farm now. I sit on benches. <laughs> my eggplants are almost grown. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Like you would probably not like Bioshock, like, but <laughs> one more day and I can give Robin a gift again. Cranberries, marry me. <laughs> cranberries in the fall make you the most money of any crop <laughs> that's sold at Pierre's market. This uh, is what I yes. know. Star fruits from the desert market. Also fantastic, and if you can like populate your whole greenhouse full of ancient fruit and uh, sweet gem berries, you're sitting pretty. Sweet gem berry. Uh, I haven't progressed that much take, in that game. Apparently, take that big I want daddies. <laughs> <laughs> I want that to be an expletive of yours, Henning. What? Oh, sweet gem sweet berries. Gem berry. <laughs> <laughs> That's got such you energy. Yes. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I started using ah beans as a. As an exclamation sweet. a year or two ago. So sweet gem berry. That is ah, just sweet. like beans. Yeah. Like stub my toe. Like sweet gem berry. <laughs> <laughs> That's real like dad energy, uh, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. I'd say other Good than work. that. Good work. Although, although it's everyone's favorite game, I feel like Skyrim has to be in the number one slot for me. Oh. I for sure sank the most amount of hours into that. And I think it's just a beautifully crafted game. Yeah, I think they nailed know. it. And it probably inspired a generation to be good with D&D. &D, where they're like, that's not nerdy. This is like Skyrim, but with real people. Yes. And for that, I give it everything. I, I would agree with that. I played Skyrim quite a bit. Um, not as much as I played Oblivion. Mm. And I, re I just, 
I think, like Oblivion better. Okay. I've heard that from a lot of people. I just wasn't on the early Oblivion train. Right, right. Skyrim, Skyrim's fine. Um, the, another game, speaking of D&D, that I have played a lot of hours of over since, I don't know, the last year and a half or whatever, is Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, and it is made by the people that produce Dungeons & Dragons. If you've played any of the older Baldur's Gates. Yep. And you can have Grew up, up to, on the arcade game. Yeah. That's so all I know. Nice. You can have up to four people playing in your in quote campaign and it is a blast to nice. play D&D in a video game form with a group of of friends so that's that's kind of a fun kind of a fun deal I so, got, right, we got early... a little taste I've got a little taste of what what we're all into but I want to direct this because I don't want to just nerd out and talk video games cuz I know a lot of people aren't super into that or they don't get it there's a lot of context What is the implication? Yeah. What are Tell big us. daddies? <laughs> You know, there's literally going to be like three people that know what big daddies are. So I want I want this conversation to actually be, assuming no one's left already, right? I want this conversation to give insight um, into the world of video games that someone that's outside of it might be able to um, benefit from. And then kind of more have uh, an analysis of what I had mentioned earlier as far as video games as a form of escapism versus, uh, you know, TV and, and movie. And then I'd like to get your opinions on kind of the negative perception of playing video games and then maybe positives that you see in it. I don't know if you see any positives. I do. So I feel I like know. the vibe check so far is we're all very pro video games. Yeah. yeah. Here's my favorite video you. games. There are no positives. <laughs> yeah. None. Well, oh, humbug. The most possible money you can make is if you use a sweet gem berry to make wine and then you age the wine in a cask in your basement until it's uridium level value and then you sell it to pierre that's the most money you can uridium make. level can you make bombs in in that game uridium not uridium well th- if this is a fictional world maybe bombs are made out of uridium <laughs> you better make be bombs. rated t for teen for alcohol reference Oh, I'm not letting my kids play that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just wait till the DC- but- DLC comes in and you can, you know, grow the good good. <laughs> you. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. it's coming. Grow those yeah. corn flakes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. OK, OK. This is, Torna, this is going in our milk and pastry restaurant. Yeah. Cushies and cream. Colorado cornflakes. Yes. With now, raw milk, what, is that right? Yes. I wasn't here for that, but I you listen to my milk. own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what what you bring up, Henning, is actually like a, a fundamental understanding of economics from playing a video game. Right? Where you're like, well, if I'm gonna maximize my time, I would obviously grow the the what the snow gem berries, sweet gem berries, yeah, the sweet gem berries, yeah. and then I'm gonna let them turn into this wine, and then I'm gonna do something with iridium and sell it to this farmer. No, you age the wine until it's iridium quality, because oh. you can ha- you can have like a like a silver star, gold star, or purple star. Purple is the ir- iridium, and it makes you the most money. This so imagine, sense. okay, so basically it's the same as distilling. So you have like your you know bottom shelf plastic container bourbon. Right, and that's bronze tier, and then you know, Lagavulin is your uh, uridium level. One's twelve dollars for a fifth; the other's one hundred twenty for a fifth. Yes, and that's why it's purple. 
this is why it's purple. Thank you. You get it. Isn't purple. You get it. But I think, (laughs) I think the larger picture is like, oh, are video games teaching us things that we are unaware of for better or for worse? Yeah. I would argue better, but Torna, perhaps you have thoughts on, on like maybe personal experience or just Uh, like general cultural idea of like video games are making people shoot guns more. Poisoning the minds of American boys. Call of Duty's making us violent. Yeah. No, I actually don't think so. And this is actually a really good uh, example of where I think video games and good film uh, can kind of run in parallel as far as an expression of art because you have certain games or at least certain parts of games that have really pushed the limits of what is kind of like morally or ethically acceptable or maybe is taboo as far as a form of, of entertainment in the video game world because we see that kind of violence um, in movies all the time, right? Whereas video games, you know, being the person behind the gun or whatever is is critiqued as being a bad thing, whereas just watching someone else doing it in a movie is somehow different. But, you know, you look at some of the Call of Duty games, some of the the ways they've pushed the limits um, back in the, oh, what was it? Was it the Cold War? No, Modern Warfare. There is a scene where you play as a terrorist group and you go in. Oh, and yeah, you, that got huge It flack. got huge flack and you go in. Yep. And you have to, I mean, you don't have to, you can opt to either not play it or not engage, but you, part of the mission is you go into an airport and you commit a mass shooting, which is horrific. And I remember playing it and being like, this is horrific, but the way that they present it, like, you know, like the narrative going up is, is, is presenting you with a, a moral option, right? And, and presenting you with this horrible act of evil that you're engaging in and then the, the narrative leads on. It's it's never like encouraging it as like a good thing. So that's, that's where video game is pushing the limit because there's not a lot of sh- movies or anything like that that might necessarily um, depict that. In the most recent Modern Warfare game, there's some missions where you're doing like some night uh, infiltrations of, of buildings uh, and it involves kind of showing a little bit more of the brutal side of war um, where you're, you're making your way through a house at night. Um, you know, peep, there's civilians around, um, so you have to make decisions like, oh, are you going to shoot a civilian or not? At one point, you breach a room, and a man has an AK, and you, you know, take out the, the threat, and then there's a woman that was being held hostage by that man. She then picks up the gun and starts shooting at you, and then you have to do that, and um, there, there's games that will depict, you know, children with weapons and things like that. Um, so it's really pushing the limits of giving more of a immersive experience of the horrors of what is war, right? Um, and film does that as well. So that's, like I said, that's where they might run run parallel. What is the other... There's another wartime game that is incredible. Technically, it wasn't a great game, but it really does a good job of depicting just the atrocities of war. Is it Line of Defense? I can't remember the name of it. But as you play through, you get to make these decisions throughout, like, this one soldier does, like, a horrible thing, and then later is, like, trapped, and you have the option to leave him to suffer and die, or you can basically execute him, 
um, and that affects things in the game later on. You get to make the decision via like limited information to basically gas a group of enemies. And then later, as you're walking through the mission, you find out that you gassed an entire population of refugees. And Oof. you see, like, mothers hugging children that have just been, like, you know, their skin's melted. That's very, very graphic. And, and playing the game, you're like, uh... You, you... It's obviously no degree of experiencing something like that, which happens in war and has happened in war. Right. But even just in the experience of playing just a game, you kind of feel disgusting. Like, oh, whoa. Like, you, there's still a, an element of, like, cause and effect. Um... And it's just a interesting way to be exposed to ideas like that. That's kind of on the more extreme side. Um, you also see, <laughs> I remember back in the day, me and my good friend, we used to love the History Channel Civil War game. And it was like an Age of Empires. You control little armies. Yeah. And you recreate, you know, you reenact like historical wars and you get to learn history. So there's elements of like that, you know, in, in gaming. Uh, what else? Are some some positives I would say. You said economics with the motorcycle yeah. again. Yeah, good luck charm. Yeah, I live right on like a kind of busy street, so that, that's just it. Um, economics, really, honestly, is something that can be learned in games. I mean, understanding. Well, well stuff and like what you're that. talking about, like very specifically, is morality and personal choice. Mm -hmm. And I think. In all of the ways that you've highlighted, those are probably good things like to experience because mm -hmm. even, okay, you want to be a terrorist and shoot up an airport. This game lets you do that and you can feel the repercussions of that. Mm -hmm. But all of that is dictated by a game designer. So, so far, I would say largely I can trust a game designer's morality that like there's so many games like that, like Fallout or Witcher or Skyrim. Red Dead Redemption, like a lot of these RPGs where, hey, you get to be the person, you can decide to execute this person, you can decide to slowly become a villain over time. Mm -hmm. Bioshock is a great example, because on paper, would you like to sacrifice these little girls that are kind of possessed and sick so that you get more energy to like pump yourself up so you can survive in this mm -hmm. sick town underwater? Yeah, you can do that. And you will objectively be better off because you're going to get rewarded for it. But at the end of the game, it is going to make you feel like absolute shit if you sacrifice like even one of those little yeah. girls. And if you save all of them, then it's like, oh, my God, I had all these daughters and I gave them these new lives. And you're like, oh, my God, I, when it comes to real life, you better believe I'm going to save those little girls. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I, and I think... On paper, if you said, in this game, you could sacrifice little girls and turn them into slugs. And I think this is somewhere where, uh, as a form of, like, escapism, you don't get the same experience in, say, a TV rendition of the game Bioshock. To actually, in quote, like, be controlling mm. or in... I don't get to choose anything. Right. And that's what's so funny. If you remember, like, a couple of years ago... It was like two years ago. Black Mirror did like the interactive episode where you're like, you get to make Bander decisions. Snatch. Yeah, Bandersnatch. You get to make decisions and then you get to see the outcome and everyone's like, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened. I'm like, this is, video games have been doing this for. This is a lame video 40 game. 40 <laughs> years. Like even old text video games have been doing this. You yeah. make decisions and there's an outcome. 
So it's it's kind of funny to to see that disconnect between like video, you know, movie TV consumption and video games because obviously they uh, a lot more people, well frankly, a lot more people watch movies and TVs than and TV than play video games. There's a lot of of cool benefit there. Um another element, honestly, I think which is huge is just the social aspect of what is to play video games, especially in COVID. I know a lot of people that all through COVID were isolated and all they did was watch TV. And yeah, they sat alone at home and watched TV. And luckily, I'm very thankful that I I have a job where I was only quarantined when I was sick because I could be on a job site alone and it just wasn't an issue, right? But that wasn't the case for everyone. The fact that you can socially play games and be on a Discord call like we are right now and talk to people and catch up with people and just interact with people, whether it's digitally or not, uh, you know, it's another conversation to say whether or not digital uh, interaction is something that we are adapted to, but it's a whole lot of better than isolation. I think it's definitely something we're adapting to. Yeah, and we definitely, did pretty definitely. quickly, you know. So I and, think that's that's a really and even that it just it provides more avenues for people to stay in touch or get in touch. You know, like mm-hmm. Alex and I recorded no normal people together when we first started chatting again after we like followed each other on Instagram. And then we chatted for four hours after recording the podcast and just like caught up and like we are purely a digital friendship at this point. Yes, literally like. Childhood and after that, this is all but never seen each other in person since like six years old. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like twenty years, like two decades ago. I haven't, (laughs) haven't like given you a hug since. But our friendship is based on like the Discord, listening to each other's podcasts, doing like just like doing highline work together, voxing each other, tweeting at each other. Voxer, cheers to Voxer. Fix your app. It's garbage, but it's the only option. It's much better than Marco Polo because who cares about video? Who cares about video? Sorry, that's my own rant. Um, Josh is seething. I know Josh is. I've been trying to talk him into Voxer for so Hi, long. Hi, Josh. Get on Voxer, you plebeian. <laughs> but that's what it does, though. It like it provides us that connection. Like even my other my like Ravel wouldn't be possible if we didn't have Discord, where Emily could record from Cody, Wyoming, Josh from Seattle, Washington, and me from here in Billings. Like it does create that connection. Um. I do think Mm -hmm. there was something to watching shows like Netflix put out an app where you could like watch. It was like watch together or something like that, where you would like log into a room and then you would hit play and it would hit play across everyone who was in the room. But it was also like a video chat feature. So it was like you're watching TV together. I know a lot of people. My wife Katie did that several times. She loved it. A lot of people use that feature. Um, Like my brother and I we would just schedule regular FaceTime calls. So it was me and my Mm -hmm. wife and him and his wife. We would just schedule FaceTime calls. We'd put the iPad up like next to the TV. And then we would just like, we would like play Stardew Valley. We weren't even playing in the same farm. We were just like playing and talking. And it was just something that like helped ground us in like, okay, the world is kind of scary. And like, we're learning more. Things are going to change. And thank God they have at this point in June of 2021. Mm-hmm. I, but like for a while there it was like uh, like absolutely even if it feels like to me going into like 
the shutdown, like my whole office cleared out. We all worked from home. I worked from home for like four or five months. To me, it was like, I felt like just playing the video games or watching the new show on Netflix or something. I did feel a twinge of guilt for like, I could be doing like productive things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like eventually I just had to let that go. I'm like, no, like the connection like I had with my brother over FaceTime was so much more valuable than me feeling like I was being productive by like putting out another podcast or I don't know, like trying to raise myself up to some standard that is just hard to expect of anyone who's going through a pandemic for the first time. You know, it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually I want to, we're kind of bouncing all over the place, but I think that's just the nature of this conversation. I want to talk about that specifically as far as feeling like you're wasting time or you could be doing things better. Totally. Um, I On don't my think... notepad, not that I did any preparation, but one of the big items that's like in caps and bolded is mm-hmm. guilt. Sure, sure. Why do we have guilt over enjoying video games or entertainment in general or just art yeah, i think that's yeah. exactly right. where you're going yeah go exactly off, um i you know there always is a form of overindulgence obviously there's plenty of people that play too many video games there's plenty of people that watch too much well that watch too much tv from my own perspective right if it's consuming your life bingo anything consuming your life isn't isn't great um i don't think guilt's really yeah yeah guilt is is an interesting thing to talk about um, as far as like using Zoom or FaceTime to to interact and visit with family members, that's awesome. That's never a waste of time. That's wonderful. So, I guess what's the difference between video games and media consumption and having guilt, right? Specifically talking about video games, if and this is just my perception. I don't have time really to do this, but say I play two hours of video games every day. I think a lot of people would look at me and be like, man, that dude is a loser. He plays two hours of video games every day. But then if you looked at the rest of my life, you would see that I have almost completely, and this is actually true, I value video games enough that I have made a decision to essentially stop watching movies and tv nice i've probably watched a handful of movies this year three or four movies and i don't think i've watched tv but like twice because i have limited amount of time and if i have free time i rather hop on discord and visit with friends that i don't get to see and then also if you look at like my screen time guys i'm working so hard to get my screen time on my phone under an hour a day. Is the guilt That's my goal. is the street is the screen time guilt the same as your as some people's video game guilt? That was exactly my next question. Like, do you think screen time serves um, you in a helpful way, or does it just give you guilt? I think when I'm conscious of trying to keep it or trying to get it under an hour, it keeps me focused to be like, all right. I like Instagram. I'm not going to get rid of Instagram, but do I need to scroll Instagram an hour every day? No. 
So maybe 15 minutes a day. That'd probably keep me keep me going. Like, I love reading the Wall Street Journal. Okay, I'm going to read the Wall Street Journal. You know, I'm going to get on Twitter here and there. But, like, I don't have a TikTok. Because the truth is, like, I know people that their screen time is like six hours a day. Yeah, yep. And I think the average is even higher than that. Mm-hmm. So you have a, you have a, and this is, this is really only from the perspective of someone that's like a casual gamer, but you have a culture that's spending six, seven hours a day on their phone. A lot of that is, you know, overlapping with TV time and then potentially watching. Is it unreasonable to assume that a lot of people watch four hours of TV every night? Mm. Hard to say. Unreasonable? No. Two hours? I don't know. Like four, like like four episodes of the office. Unreasonable would be sixteen. You know, and I'm like, all right, that's unreasonable. (laughs) Four? No, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that seems like a lot, right? I mean, I've obviously sat down and watched like twenty hours of TV before, right? You know, I remember like Stranger Things came out and it was a lazy day, so I watched all eight episodes in a day. Like people do it, right? Enjoy, enjoy. Dixie and I Um, binged Wandavision in one night. Like I've never seen it, but see, that's ago. fun. Like you're you were together and you were doing something. That's great. Yep. The question is, like, are you doing that all the time? And the interesting thing about video games, and this is something that I really like, if I'm on my computer and I'm playing like Stardew Valley, I listen to podcasts while I play Stardew Valley. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah, what do you listen to? Exclusively uh, the Highline Network, right? Right. Oh. Tch- just the four oh, of yeah. us. Listen to Whiskey Bench over and over again. I got to get those oh, yeah. listens up. <laughs> just boost the no- Just like, goose oh, your own numbers. Episode 17. Episode 17 is like a little bit low on the on the listens. I better <laughs> put that sucker on repeat. Yikes. No, no. Um, <laughs> so what's the... So to go, to go 10,000 feet, this is becoming a what is good and what is not good conversation. And what criteria are we making be good and not good, right? Because in, in any case, we can yeah. say in community, right? If you play a game and you're with other people, is always good. Yeah. If I'm playing a game and listening to a podcast or doing something else productive, mm-hmm. is always good? Yeah, and that's, that's actually a good point. That's probably how I'm coming across. That is not actually what I want to highlight here i guess my point is there's a negative view of people that play video games and not a negative view of people that watch tv Mm. even if they consume them both in the same amount and i want to say that they're Mm. both forms of escapism they're both forms of entertainment and i would actually value playing video games above watching tv personally but i think that there needs to be a shift where it's like you can't look at a demographic of people and be like, they're losers wasting their life because they play video games when the person making the critique very well may be actually consuming more television and movie than the video game player. So I just makes sense. I think in that in this conversation, it's easy to like those people probably have someone in mind who's like four hundred pounds, they never stand up, you know, like they have like bags like of Wally. empty Yeah, like yeah, the the Wally dudes, right? Just on the yeah, on the little floating pods, drinking their like head sized slurpees or whatever. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to make that critique of video game people. I think though, like I, even in this conversation, we should be careful of not saying like the person who watches TV 
also goes and sits down for like eight hours to go do oh, that. Oh, oh yeah, right? like there's absolutely. there's an extreme, of course, that's easy to just be like take a walk <laughs> or eat breakfast or something, you know? Because like I don't if if it's a Alex, I like what you pointed out. Like I feel like the community aspect for all of those is what I value the most. Um, so like the reason super smash bros clocks in at number one, my favorite game is because I never play it solo. Like I always, I'm always having friends over for a sleepover in middle school. I'm always hanging out with a friend, like drinking beers now. Like it's always a social thing where we like get together and it, it's like a thing we plan on breath of the wild is a little different, but even then like, my wife and I fell in love with that game sitting side by side and we would both be like, Oh, did you try solving this puzzle this way? Like we're watching each other play video games. There's a really weird pleasure in watching other people play video games. Isn't there? No, Twitch doesn't exist. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Thank you. No, I don't think that would make any money. That's a dumb idea. Yeah. Never, never. Thank you. Thank you for that. What I you're welcome. <laughs> I honestly, Twitch has been great. I know a lot of people make fun of like, why would you watch someone else play video games? And the I answer is community. Yes. Now, yeah. uh, in Cat's honor, I'm gonna say an F word. Fuck reading, then, right? Oh, look at this solo. Look at this solo activity that I can barely engage with anyone else in, and yet mm-hmm. is that not like the most elevated form of entertainment? Like. Oh, okay, but you're reading for eight hours in a day. Right. Oh, That's fine. Like a reader you're obviously is obviously very smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fine activity to spend time on. That's way different than video games. Hmm. Or TV. Yeah. You know, that's actually, that's an interesting point. And it's like with, I mean, it, it could be working out. It could be reading books. It could be playing video games. It could be watching TV. None of them are, you know better or worse than the other if it like you can read too much like if it's affecting your life in a negative way i would say yeah don't you you know you're over consuming or or you know whatever that might be so this is all boiling down to an argument for one community and two Mm -hmm. moderation yeah in all things so we're like let people like stuff let people hang out. In fact, it's probably good for you to find ways to hang out with people and maybe don't consume too much. And don't like, don't shit on people for having interests that are different than yours. Like I personally value watching shows with my wife much higher than I do playing any video game ever. Like, Oh, Oh yeah. And as far like you guys were describing the actual fear and like the emotional response you've had to video games. I cry at almost every episode of TV I watch. <laughs> like, like you're there. If you're in it, exactly. Like I get invested in that way. But like I play Battlefield or Call of Duty or something, and to me, it's just like, cool. It's another shooter game. It's just a game, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, well, what I try not to do this- in my life is be like that equals bad because Stephen Henning doesn't like it. That can't be the ah, I can't, what a valuable that, lesson that be you the just standard. taught everyone. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes. You're mocking me, but thank you. <laughs> no, I no, honestly, honest to God, that is like one of the biggest things that Katie and I talk about all the time. Katie's my wife. Let Shout people out. like stuff. That's it. That's hey, 
I, I don't. I haven't played Stardew. Uh, I kind of don't want to, based on what Stephen has told me on the, the amount of time that it requires. But I think I would probably enjoy it. But I'm also not going to be like that's so dumb that he spends all this time on Stardew. Yeah. When one, you've already told me that you enjoy it yourself. That is probably as relaxing to you as just like sitting down and chilling with the birds chirping. Yep. And you can play it with your wife sometimes, and you're probably learning learning something while you're doing it. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, just let people like stuff. Right. That is the lesson. And don't spend your energy on being the guy who, like, takes to Twitter and, like, wants to shit on Stardew because you don't find a connection to it. Like, can you imagine? I don't. Right. I just, the three of us, we're not, <laughs> I don't feel like we're of that, like, is, I don't know if it's a personality trait or something, but it's just like the energy I feel it takes to leave a one star review on something is just so not worth it. Unless it's like really bad and you like trying to help other people not be sucked into a horrible, miserable experience. My man. Then it's like, okay, I didn't like this. Do you but- put, do you check the ratings on Amazon? When you buy anything, oh, definitely. Do you really? Definitely. I, never I was, I was looking at ratings for a ladle earlier. A ladle. And uh, <laughs> the reviews were. I'm gonna go on a little tangent. The, the reviews were hilarious, and I picked it because the reviews were the funniest. What? They were all good, what? but like these people were like, "Oh, this ladle rocks, and also is a good substitute for a weapon." And then another review what? was like, "This is a ladle. It ladles." And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Another one was like Merch. my old ladle used to bend when it was um uh laden with heavy meats. Oh my god. But this new ladle doesn't flop around. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm gonna buy this ladle. Wow. Just because <laughs> so of yeah, the Yeah, reviews I think funny. are helpful. Amazing. I know it's I know <laughs> here I am like, I don't take the time to review anything and I ask everyone to rate and review my podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only if it's good. If you like it, tell me you like it. If you don't like it, piss off. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's just that's just because that's the way I am. Like I've never rated a podcast one star. I've rated most of my podcast five stars because I'm like, yeah, if it helps, it helps. Like that's cool. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I just I I've never been the been the guy to be like, this sucks. Why do you exist? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. It's like. You liked it and you've got value out of it. Five stars. And then if not, it's like, okay, I'm not going to listen again. Right. Exactly. Not for me. So question. It's like, it's like, it's great. It's five stars or not for me. Yeah. Exactly what I would like to ask. Leave a review. Five stars. Not for me though. (laughs) Is there, let's lean toward the objective. Is there an objectively bad Form of media, form of consumption, video game. Bad. So people shouldn't do it, play it, watch it. I think, yeah, yeah, I would say yes. I think there is an element of... I can't compare it to TV because TV's a little different. There's kind of like mindless TV... But there's a story and, and, and everything like that. So, And I don't watch enough TV to be like, yeah, that show's like completely mindless and actually a waste of time. There's tons of great examples of beautiful stories and, well, timeless stories, right? Re, 
retold that just hit people at an emotional level. Like there's some sort of ingrained truth or understanding of the principles in that show that, that reflect and the same thing's true for video games. But where video games get interesting in more recent times is kind of the money grabbing, mindless, digital, like it's almost like trance. Like they try to put you in a trance. And the best example I can think of that is like Candy Crush. Hmm. Oh. I actually think games like that that are like kind of mindless clicking. um, I would say, what was the game that we used to play all the time? 2048. Tetris. 2048. 2048. I think it's kind of on the same level where it's you kind of get into this mindless trance. Candy Crush is, there's like microtransactions and you can pay money. And so it's kind of a little bit of a money grab. But there's these like, kind of really superficial, shallow video games that I can't really view as having any value. There's no narrative. There's no... Um, is there is there an objective standard there's no, you're basing that on? Because Candy Crush is still like one of the top downloaded phone games in the world. So they're doing oh, yeah, something sure. right. This to well, me is a question of do Doritos have objective value? <laughs> right? Because you're like, I mean, nutritional value low, probably bad for you, like flavor, too high though. in fats and sodium. Flavor, though. But then you're like, but at a party, Doritos slap. <laughs> yeah. So, question. I view video games. Nacho cheese through, or Cool like, Ranch? I'm, yeah. Uh, Blue or red? Cool Ranch. Blue or red? I'm... Blue. Can I be that guy and pick green? You're gonna go, which I'm pretty sure with is salsa, salsa verde. verde. Yeah. Of course, well, okay. You do. I wasn't gonna pick a. <laughs> Come on, that wasn't bad. the question. I like the the old school traditional ones, in the white bag. Oh, but are those you know, just like between dustless? red and blue? Red. Are those just like dustless? Dust. Dustless. <laughs> Some corn chips. <laughs> Isn't that what they are? Corn flakes. Isn't that what they? <laughs> Doritos light. <laughs> Sparkling Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Stupid, stupid. No, but I view I view video games truly as more of this is me personally. I view them more as art. So I'm not super into some video games, frankly. Um I don't really understand the craze on like shooter games that are just kind of like online. Although I play League of Legends, Fortnite, which is probably kind of this baby. Yeah, like yes. I, people are really into Fortnite. Eh, it's all right. The great art style. I mean like kind of a beautiful game. As someone but, who likes art, you're like, well, the okay. skins though. So the, the right. art is good, not for me. The art is good, not for me. I like I said, and again, this is going back to my 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 tilts or my bias is for story-driven games. I love storytelling. You see this in in film and you see it in video games. Like the video games that do the best and the films that do the best have great stories that resonate with the consumer, right? Mm. And the ones that don't do so well are shallow or, you know, unrefined. So Candy Crush, no story. Is there a story game that has a story but is bad? Uh, Mario Tennis. Yeah, I would say there's... Waluigi deserved the crown. How could they? <laughs> you know, maybe maybe bad's not the right word, but like maybe lackluster. Um, okay. 
there's games that I've played in the past that I thought were the art style was great. Uh, technically, it was a pretty polished game, but like you spend all this time invested in your game. It's like a story. You've got this character and there's not enough development. You know, uh, some of the dialogue is really shallow and you kind of are left wanting more like you would with a book that you read and you're like, okay, like I'm, I like the character. I like where they're going with it. But as the story progresses, you know, a lot of times games start really good. And then as the story gets towards the end, they kind of start to fall off. And I think that's true. This is the Aragon inheritance series. If anyone has read those books. (laughs) And you're like, there was so much there and it was just a complete waste of time. There was so much potential by the end of Eldest. Absolute waste of time. Right. And so with art in general, that can be film, that can be actual physical art, paintings, things like that, and video games. I do think there are objective points that can be checked off for all three of those forms of media, if you can call art a form of media. Um, yeah. Or traditional art as a form of media. Totally. So I would say there are elements of, like, you know, character building. Great. World building. True, uh, you could look into, like, technical skill. You could look into, does it reflect reality in a certain way? Even games that don't necessarily depict reality as we know it are drawing from reality as we know it. Um, so it can it could be a simple, something as simple as, like, how are the physics of this game? Um, that's something that we're familiar with. It could be a completely different world, but... When you play a game that has really bad physics, it's really noticeable, which is something that people that don't play video games can't really perceive. That's actually a really funny thing. Now I'm just thinking about it. Anyone that doesn't play video games that's listening, when you think of physics, you just think of like science and that's how the world works. But we're so just part of physics, like it's interwoven into our existence that you don't really notice. You don't notice it because it doesn't go awry. But Video games try to mimic physics. That's how like things fall, how forces are applied. And when you play a game that has janky physics, it's hilarious because it's so blatantly obvious that something is not right about what is being depicted. Do you remember the first time you hit the jump button playing Halo? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wahoo! <laughs> Of all games. Oh, wait, wrong game. Of, Sorry. Of all games, the but Halo the jump same. always bugged the crap out of me. It was like, what are we doing? Like, you just like, like launch yourself. You're in space, dog. <laughs> I know. But there's also, there was also that Call of Duty that you got like the exosuit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where like you had the extra little boost and you could start doing like slides and shit and all these like. And wall runs. Right. I. I like maybe I think that's what's kind of fun when you break reality it's kind of fun that's fair but is there my main question is is there a bad game we're gonna take a quick break then we'll be back to our conversation if you like what you're hearing the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts there you can leave us a five star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, 
the N2 Podcast. We can only view it like through the context, like of what we were raised in, the religion that we were handed, and trying to make sense of it all. But basically, the only thing that's originally Kevin right now is his brain. Is he a human or a robot? Is he Kevin or not Kevin? Every time we have certain conversations, I immediately know that I feel, but not why I feel. Mm -hmm. And now, back to our conversation. Objectively? Because even now I'm thinking about it and trying to be like, ah. Is there a bad game for you? Is it just like... There's there's a pool of games that are this not for me. This is a very open-ended question. Yeah. Is it just a pool of games that's not for me and some that I think are good? <laughs> and even if you would like one or two star it, okay, f- do you think it should exist? Flappy Birds. Do you guys ever play Flappy Birds? Or Angry Birds even? Uh, yeah, I definitely Flappy played Bird it. Flappy Bird yeah. was the... The physics of... I hate birds! <laughs> Down with birds! Yeah, yeah. Games with birds, right out. <laughs> I'm just gonna launch birds into shit. Watch them blow up instead. Because there's... I think there's an argument that, like, maybe that helps you with your your reactions, problem-solving, puzzle-solving, mm-hmm. even, like, Pattern recognition. Uh, Candy Crush. Yeah. To an example. Right. Uh, right it's on par then, i guess it's similar to tetris yeah if of. you could I've never say candy crush if dopamine in the brain makes you have a better day if mm-hmm. you play candy crush for 10 minutes you know can i like objectively say that it's bad is there <clears throat> can i objectively say that it's yeah, bad get that little squeak out of there alex <laughs> that i say without a voice crack hmm <laughs> You know, we're like, it's enough of a time waste with no possible value that I can say no one on the planet should be playing this game. The silence. Steven, either you, either you're still dealing with that white claw or you're about to wreck a game. (laughs) So, wreck something else. I think that is where the subjectivity comes in because there are games that kind of what I just mentioned a couple minutes ago do not check certain objective marks of what is um, probably considered like a good game that could be just how smooth it runs optimization for whatever platform it's on errors in even things like uh, subtitles for dialogue uh, animations Mm. audio sound effects is a huge thing if you play a game that doesn't nail the sound you're like uh what is going on? But then you play games that have really, really good sound. Um, a lot of the newer games have incredible sound, especially like first-person shooters, where it's such good stereo sound that like you can hear when someone's walking like to your left, and it's because someone's walking to your left. And there's a lot of games where like sounds don't seem to be coming where they should be coming from. Those are all technical marks of what I would say would be like a good or bad video game. But then there are other elements, like I had mentioned, like storytelling, mechanics, likability of characters that outweigh some of those more technical things. And that's why there's a lot of old games that like look awful, in quotes, and like a lot of younger generations would be like, this game looks really old and stupid. 
but yet it's still loved to this day by fans. That's the same thing with film. You get these old classic films, you're like, okay, the acting's a little cheesy, it's kind of grainy, like, you know. Dude, play Undertale. That is the best example of that. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, here's a 2D side-scroller. Yes. Well, the music is great. Music is another huge part. Music and video games are incredible. Or they should be. <laughs> also a good shout-out yeah. then for Breath of the Wild and Stardew Valley. The soundtracks are oh, yeah. Sh- yeah. just yeah. chef's kiss. Mm. If we see everything in the realm of art, though, there's part of me that's like, man, I went to a museum yeah. in France mm-hmm. that just had scribbles on a yeah. chalkboard, and the chalkboard was mounted on the wall, and they're like, here's a classic piece of art. And yeah. I go, this is garbage. In yeah. every way. Well, and I, this is a whole other conversation. But it's in the museum. So it's like even it is a in the museum, bad not game. For you. Even a bad I, game. This is a conversation about what I would consider the degradation of art. And I don't know if it's some sort of like narcissistic movement that has hit us. But art like that, I think, is some sort of weird infiltration and degradation or bastardization of what art is for humans. Whereas I see both that art piece, although I hate it, I hate yeah. that art piece, and quote-unquote bad video games with bad sound design, mm-hmm. bad physics, bad storytelling, all will teach you something and therefore have value in a terrible way. That's like, when you eat a bad meal, it tells you what a good meal is. Whoa. And so it's really hard for me to say that, like, yeah, that art is bad. Or it's bastardized where I'm like, no, that art is kind of, it's kind of necessary to look at it and say it's bad. And that is my, that's like Mm -hmm. my magnet of this is, this is the side I don't want to be on. Mm -hmm. But if it didn't exist, do I just keep, would I make good art in a vacuum of bad? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of mean when it comes to Do you to think art. a bad <laughs> I'm like, game? Oh. No, 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 no. Hear yeah. me out here. Hear me out here. I see some weird art where it's like just a no, string it's bad. hanging from it shouldn't the shouldn't exist. From string. Think of like the this was featured in Germany years and years ago. It was an entire exhibit. The room was, it was just like a square room and it was a piece of twine that was taped to the ceiling. At some point you have to be like, maybe it has something to do with like the participation trophy era and you actually are incapable of being disciplined enough to like master a skill whether it's painting or carving or sculptures but you want like recognition so you're going to do this and try to convince people that somehow you have talent but you've never actually tried to have talent. At which generation's feet do we get to lay the participation trophy attitude? Oh God, this is that is such a, a side quest in this video I don't know. game I think, episode. I think no, but my part but my, of being but here, my main point is if I grew up like yeah. six, seven, eight years old getting participation trophies, it's not like I was fucking asking for them. Yeah. No, I don't think it's it's probably the parents of, of that this generation. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, like, what, Gen X? But is it boomers I, that are the problem? 
that are just like it's, everything's boomers, right? <laughs> Direct boomers. <laughs> you ruined yeah, I, us. Yeah. <laughs> Modern art just seems so narcissistic. Hmm. Like, uh, I don't know. But, People said um, that of Van Gogh. Yeah, though, I think too. it's it's not like. But Van Gogh's different because he was like very tr- like a realist painter. He like what I would consider like objectively good art as far as like technicality and lighting and being able to get emotions out of people and get the same emotions out of people. You can have many people looking at a piece of art and it portrays something that is inherent to being human. Van Gogh like had those kind of skills, same thing with Picasso. And then they developed like they broke the mold and went into something and different. even but, but they had mastered but even in their time they weren't recognized as great artists like many great artists yeah. die thinking that they like die poor and thinking that they were just a complete failure and like is it time that only gives the great artists their value like do we only like is beethoven considered so, great because, because i think he survived this long i think that's part of it and that's kind of what i mentioned earlier with good video games and good film is it it has some element that it's easy to like play a game or watch a movie and be like, that was good. Teared me up. The thing is, is does that hold up to time? 10 years from now playing this game, 10 years from now watching this movie, 10 years from now or a hundred years from now or a thousand years from now, will those emotions still be triggered from the person viewing it. Is Pong a good video game? Pong. Is that the one where you bounce the the thing yeah, back and forth? there's two sliders. It's either versus you and AI or you and someone else, and there's a little ball in between. Uh, I would say it's kind of in the scale of, like, the mindless. But as far as a contribution to society and the foundation of video games as an art form. Like Pong had to be made right. <laughs> to, yeah. to get Bioshock. In, in my mind. You know, and oh, it's like, yeah, 100%. Well, what kind of multiverse so did, did Pong like, not exist and Bioshock so did, still existed? So did like, you know, cave drawings of like a stick person. No, that's great. Is cave is drawing bad is art? That, is that, yeah, it's like... <laughs> Think about it. It's bad this art. Like, story the story doesn't make me cry that bison looks like shit. You know, <laughs> yeah, like they didn't true. even understand perspective. Those French cave paintings from 50,000 years ago, like are bad, right? Like that. But that laid the foundation for the, the great artists. Bad to you. Not it's not for you. It's so, not five stars for you. <laughs> OK. Is anyone sitting there being like, oh, my God, like this. This cave painting just, my primal urges are just. Well, I mean, like brought forth from this. But like, piece if you're considering, you're like, like it's a faded stick. Unless you're considering, okay, like somebody had to figure out graphite or coal did what it did when you scratch it on a cave wall. Like somebody discovered a medium. Somebody figured out how to make like green pigment enough that they yeah. could like smear it on the wall and make something. Like somebody was actively inventing. To create something like that. And probably to them, the first person to do that, everyone was like, what the fuck? Like, you did that? How did you do that? We've never seen that before, you know? 
And maybe that's to the point of like, okay, if that same cave painting was made today, if the string was put on the ceiling today, yeah. would we say that that's good art? Mm. Actually, uh, hear me out here. I think anyone listening that might be an artist, if you just like went out in the woods as an art project and like collected some berries and mushed them up and then did this whole thing where you painted on a rock and then that whole experience of like creating your pigment, yada, 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 was turned into like an art exhibit, people be eating that up like Colorado. But you wouldn't. No, I'd be laughing at them, but. So is it bad or good? Or is it purely subjective? Hmm. I love that Mm, silence because I, I Mm. equally hate piece of twine taped to empty apartment yeah bedroom as a piece of art i equally hate that and like anything i've ever fucking seen from thomas kincaid like <laughs> that like i look at like i don't the, even know who the, thomas the kincaid painter is, so. of light look him up okay. um it's just like this it's i don't know to me it's like that fantastic oh i mean like there's a whole office episode about this where pam has an art show and uh oscar brings his boyfriend and his boyfriend, like right behind uh, Pam's back, is like, "Yeah, this is why she'll never do anything great because she makes motel art." <laughs> are are these like Shire looking? Yeah, he's he's paintings? called the painter of light, and he's like, "As why do you hate this?" Because I just think like every one I see is like, "Oh wow, he painted a cabin." I just again, I'm. He's the guy that paints all the pictures for puzzles. Yes, I'm bored with it. <laughs> Henning hates puzzles. It's not puzzles. It's just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay, but see, here's, I'm looking at some of them. Okay, the man at least, like, knows how to paint, like, accurate figures of the human form. And he knows how to mix colors. Okay, so they... And he knows how to shade. And he knows how to display accurate like you have a light source in your picture and it's all consistent throughout like technical elements check the box of like at least having some understanding of what art is that's fair like what so maybe there are like some hanging objectives. a string yeah like that's the kind of objectives that i'm i'm thinking of they move me this equally one... negatively <laughs> oh okay <laughs> the yeah string and Thomas Kincaid's <laughs> art now to further muddy the waters too i know that we have really strayed from video games but i love where this is going is like okay take thomas kincaid henning yeah assume for a moment you had a child and that child painted the exact same <laughs> painting and you're Could like a this is the best painting in the world i would pay millions of dollars for this painting yeah Right. Or even a, a really a really bad one of like your kid put string on the ceiling and was like daddy <laughs> Look art. What I did. Do you go, you dumb, you don't even understand, you know, or are you like, hey, I appreciate the sentiment. You stood on a ladder, you know? like good job. <laughs> or it's like you're bad, you don't understand human form, you know, that's just a string. And they're like, ah, oh, damn. So are you are you trying to pin the the value question down to still like who painted it? What's the like that subjective value to me? At, 
at least if, the the kid to me is a variable that says not only does the content matter, the artist matters. Sure. Content could be macaroni art, but if it's from your child, you better believe that you like that macaroni right. art. Right. So, so right, you could like it though. If Picasso made macaroni art, you'd be like, "This is bad." This he's a fully uh, grown Picasso adult man who made macaroni made this. art. They'd be like, "I'll give you seven million," <laughs> and you'd be like, "Okay, just because Picasso has a name doesn't mean that like every piece he ever painted was good." Hmm. Okay, then like that. That's kind of. The, but okay, so let's talk about there's value in scarcity, so that's kind of where that like Picasso's right. coming in place. Hey, you only know those economics because of Stardew Valley. Yeah, nice. you know it. Let's talk about like uh, like mo- like art in modern history. Banksy fucking getting a painting sold and shredding it through the frame. Mm-hmm. Like the act of shredding it was actually part of the art, and somebody still paid for that. And like he, the guy taped yeah, a banana to a wall, and people like shat themselves. Did yeah. you guys see the article of the guy who sold the the guy who sold the invisible sculpture? For- I was gonna say someone <laughs> sold an invisible sculpture. At some point, you have to be like. Oh, is this the way that art but should so, be going? I mean, like, pe- people now know. I mean, like, Banksy goes and makes a statement by shredding girl with balloon and then tapes a piece of banana or, like, tapes a banana to the wall. At, a, at some point, there's also a moment where, like, piece of twine on ceiling is actually making a statement about art as well. It's meta exactly. art. Exactly. Yes, I totally so maybe agree. maybe there is value banana in Banana on it. wall. And the artist is like, this is dumb, and I bet some idiot is going to pay a bunch of money, and then some idiot does, and they're like, ha ha, told you. See, ya. this is how vacuous and we are as a human race. We, yeah, <laughs> and we can point at that and be like, humans are so vain and dumb. Also, I have yeah. Banksy tattooed on my forearm, so like... Hell yeah, dude. You know. Don't don't shred him too hard. I'm not no, I'm not shredding <laughs> like <laughs> I love the idea of us getting to speak to Da Vinci and be like, tell us about the Mona Lisa and he's like, That was my scratch pad. Like I didn't even mean for that to be great art. <laughs> you know, like there is something to mm-hmm. the context yes. that maybe we've even lost to the great like pieces of art in our histories you know well like does time put in matter like there's all kinds of musicians that say like no i wrote this song in five minutes mm-hmm. oh and it's great it's one of the greats totally. yeah i don't think time is necessarily a measure of, of value because okay okay so as a statement of art then have you heard of the musical piece called four minutes 33 seconds no, but I have a feeling I get what's going on here. Is that the pure it silence? It is literally performed by a yeah. person like going out on stage and standing there for four minutes and 33 seconds in complete silence. And that's and like performative art. String on the ceiling. String on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> and the, but the thing is, is like the fact that somehow people just want to like eat this up is what's allowing that kind of art to persist. And it's, it's the same with anything. So but like are if people no one would just show up, dumb? If no one would show up to his stupid exposition, like, then he'd be sitting in silence alone. What do you think? Okay, then what is, what's the, can you imagine being like, I have to rehearse (laughs) for that? Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh my god. Sorry, babe. I gotta yeah. practice. Yeah. I'm real busy. I need to be silent, real good. <laughs> I need to count my measures. No, like, oh, I I lost my train of thought. Dang it. And is, based on any that... virtuoso I know, that's exactly what they would do. Now, and I don't know how po- how popular is this. I remember. Oh, it's a famous song. Okay, how insulting is that to other musicians? It's actually like there, of course, are mixed reviews of this piece, but a lot of a lot of musicians are able to at least join that headspace of like, okay, I see what he's doing, <laughs> you know. Um, so like, okay, then to really like press our finger into it, are the people who consume the things that we think are like you know, like twine on ceiling, banana taped to wall, four minutes, 33 seconds. Are the people that consume that are like, we would probably say they're the problem. Candy crush. Right. Candy crush. Yeah. Yeah. Pong. No, maybe not Pong. I don't know. How dare you? <laughs> but like the people. I have a feeling continue. that the amount of time that is spent playing candy crush globally. Yeah. Is much higher than the amount of time spent playing Pong globally. Maybe not when Pong first came out. I don't know. Maybe not when Pong first came out. That's fair. I mean, like, as far as access to Candy Crush goes, far greater that people... Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably right on that. But, like, okay, so is... What's the culture, though, that creates people who think that that is art and that seek it out and, like, continue the Uh, cycle or proliferation? And if we have a problem with that culture, are we saying that those people are dumb and just, like, irrational and they're... Is there any hope for them for us to be like? No, there's obviously there's hope for every person, but I would say, or at least I would think that it has something to do with maybe the unknown. Ooh, let's see. The unknown infiltration of postmodernism okay say more and kind of the idea that there is no objectivity also with that came like deep individualism and and humanism um, and kind of that desire to maybe indulge in yourself. Um, and part of that is, hmm, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm trying to formulate this thought right now as I'm, as I'm thinking about this. Keep thinking. When it yeah. comes to art... I am very postmodernist and subjectivity is king. Sure. Which has somewhat been my, not like a real argument, not like a trying to get my point across, but it's more like, it seems like there's not a great way to objectively say that any art or artiste is bad. Because even in like, what, what it ends up feeling like to me is that someone would go to Van Gogh and say, you can't paint that this is different from hieroglyphics mm-hmm. you know and he's like no but i don't know but i want to try something different and like eventually through a progression of 
what we would look back and say good and bad art eventually brings us to like pop music and video games, Mm -hmm. which we can all kind of enjoy. But to get there, we need these things that we can kind of look back on and be like, you know, string on ceiling, banana on wall, music, song of silence, four minute 33, and all of that. I don't know. I don't know that we can get rid of those individual pieces and still have our collective art. Hmm. Yeah, that could be true. And now this is going back to the argument or the thought that I've been working through all the way back in whatever episode it was when Whiskey Bench talks um, um, philosophy and racism is this shift that I'm still trying to understand of the Enlightenment. And when, like, what we see now today in the form of modern art and string on ceiling is very recent. That's not been present in history that I'm aware of. That kind of expression, in quote, of self or whatever. Unless it wasn't recent, and now we just have the means of broadcasting it because we all have an equally sized microphone on Twitter. Or Yeah, could be. You know, like weird ass shit that- could have been happening all throughout history. And only like we know about the founding fathers and we know about Van Gogh because like there are the few that have that's filtered through our history curriculum, basically. But yeah, because like in essence, only one person had to say like those big pyramids. Those not are for ba- me. I don't like those. Those are bad. <laughs> but like that guy was probably a slave and not Pharaoh and probably died. But like art existed. <laughs> Art exists in the same way now. <laughs> They're like, what a dumb waste of time. What a string on ceiling. And every, everyone's like, oh my God, pyramids. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. My only, my only thought on that is that history uh, is pretty much full of the victors basically telling about how much the losers suck. And so it seems like in art and all this stuff that there would be at least some sort of writing of like, yeah, like us. Because if you look at like a book, it's called Plutarch's Lives. Um, it's basically like a Greek guy writing about a Greek legend and an Italian legend. And then he goes into a whole narrative of why the Greek was better than the Italian or the Roman, even though they like did pretty much did the same thing. So why wouldn't you see something like that in art and be like, here, here's this Greek artist. And then there was this Roman artist that like, he taped a string to the ceiling <laughs> of his house. Like, what a dumbass. And then, like, this is why the Greeks are better. So, that, I mean, that's all I can, that's a silly example. But I'm like, hmm, I'm dubious of that. But, you know. We, we do have a history of, I like that you framed it in, like, victors and the conquered. Like, there is a history of, I mean, like, it's in our, like, the foundations of, Uh, like pilgrims coming to America and like the colonies building out is like, we called native Americans, we called them savages, but there's, there's a history even further back. Like um, Rome goes to conquer ancient Gaul and the British Isles. Mm -hmm. And they think the Celts are absolutely backwards Hicks, basically like they think they're the uncultured ones. And now like with the benefit of history, now we can like study ancient Celts and be like, Look at this beautiful mm-hmm. art that they were making. 
you know, like even then, like there were cultures that like Celtic Celtic work. Not for me. I love this idea of someone not like just not for me. The pyramids. That's very funny to me. Um, but it yeah. is. It's almost like the good, the objective good, has been dictated by an appeal to authority for all of mm-hmm. history. And then recently, when it hit enlightenment, it was like, wait a minute, you don't have to have authority to have an opinion. You just have to exist. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Like in the pyramids, if a slave was like. I don't really like this. And they're like, yeah. uh, well, you're not Pharaoh, so you're wrong. And they're like, yeah. oh, damn. Pharaoh's God, wrong. are you? Right. Yeah. And then Enlightenment was like, well, are you a human? And they're like, I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, apparently your opinions have value. Even if it's just one guy. If one guy says string on ceiling is good, like, I mean, we have to take that into account, right? It's more like how, how do, yeah, how can you convince enough people to think that your string on the ceiling is good. Maybe you're just good at marketing. Or, again, this is very subjective, but it's like one guy. Okay. You're really going to have to ride with me on this. So Patrick right. Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants, which is a yeah. TV show which I binge constantly with Absolutely. my wife. So sorry, Torna. Secret box with the okay, secret we gotta string. Back up here. You you both have wives that you can watch TV with. I don't have a wife oh, to watch TV. Gotta get with, a so wife, my man. Maybe with, gotta get a wife. Yeah, I gotta get a wife. I gotta then get you're a allowed wife. to watch TV. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is I'm not gonna watch TV until I get married. I'm wives saving that come for with the direct you're TV subscription TV for marriage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, TV, but Patrick Star TV yeah. before marriage. Secret not box. For me. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> Secret box with the secret string. He pulls on the secret string, and it's an embarrassing photo of SpongeBob at the Christmas party. Uh, famous, Absolutely. love it. Patrick Starr sees string on ceiling. It's not just a string on the ceiling for him. He thinks, "Oh, if I were in my imagination, what if I pulled on that string and it made a secret compartment that reminded me of SpongeBob at the Christmas party?" Like there is one guy. There's one freaking Patrick Starr. Where the string on the ceiling doesn't just mean a string on the ceiling, and therefore they are going to project value onto this art. So, like, all it really takes is one person to go, I don't know, I kind of like this. And then it's like, well, shoot, I guess it's okay. So, then all the way back to it, there is no bad video game. I would argue, even though, because. You know, I look at video games where I'm like, this was trash. I did not enjoy playing it. And like to Torna's example, like if the physics are bad, if the sound design is bad, if all of these things are technically bad, that game in and of itself might not be bad because it is somehow on a progression of art, of video game. Like, if I play that video game, now I know what I would prefer. Or there might be someone who's like, I don't know, I think it's kind of fun when I pull the trigger and the bullets don't register for three seconds. Almost in the same and way. And it, like, gives them pleasure. Almost in the same way, like, say someone is nine years old today growing up playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on the Switch, and then you hand them a 64 controller and be like, here, play my original Super Smash Bros. They're going to be like, they go, this is bad. This Technically, is it's bad. The shield mechanic, there's no in-air dodge. Right. Get me out of this yeah. game. I'm thinking of uh, James Bond, Goldeneye. Mm. Totally. 
Incredible that, that game. That is the pong. That's the pong yeah, for me. Yeah. Of like, like no, th- this was the basis. Right. At least had, one person got joy. Yeah, but I've had some of the most fun in my life playing that game with friends. Back to community. But like, also, it's like just by like literally actually every metric, it's bad. But it's yes. not bad to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but like, like we had fun playing it. But like, it, like it, the. Physics sucked. The mechanics sucked. The art sucked. The graphics sucked, even for its time. But it did provide value. <laughs> sure. like, somehow it provided value. So that's the the counter argument. And to many good memories and nostalgia. Saying, but uh, okay, so anyone that's listening that's familiar with James Bond, um, I, I just <laughs> got to explain ex- this because yes. this is hilarious. We used to play uh, this game where you could like play as James Bond characters and fight each other in these arenas. And there's different kind of modes that you could set up. And one of them was punching only. So you could only punch the enemy. If somebody was playing as the James Bond character Jaws, which is like the big, tall, like nine foot tall dude that had like the silver teeth. And then someone else was playing as, what was his name? Odd Job. Like the, the little butler guy that had like the hat that he would throw. Yes, this all sounds yeah. familiar. I think Odd Job uses the, he uses the, the laptop. bowler hat. He had the bowler hat that had like a blade and he'd throw it. In the game, Oddjob was so short a character that Jaws couldn't reach him to punch him. <laughs> so it was just bad. Like nothing worked. Shout out it to was, my short kings. Yeah, short kings. <laughs> uh, I don't but know, like okay. bad. That's bad. Yeah, yeah but, that's but we, awesome. we had fun somehow. Like, yeah. So... I guess people find joy out of weird stuff. Nothing is real. <laughs> it's just <laughs> reality. All right, all right Henning, come back. Not come for back me. here. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Not for me. <laughs> you are reminding me too of the uh, the original Lego movie, where like the whole world is the dad has constructed this city, like perfectly manicured oh, yeah. and everything. And his son is down there and he's like messing things up because he wants to build based on his imagination Bad. or something. Right. And this is literally the commentary of that Bad. movie is like doing that is yeah. bad. This is supposed to be a perfectly manicured office complex. And his son is like, no, but it could be a robot. And by the end of the movie, like. They have their sweet moment. Will Ferrell is somehow in it. And then like. Lego movie postmodernist propaganda, and then right at, and then right yeah. at the end, his younger sibling shows up, and like the Duplo blocks show up. Bad. Bad. That's what I mean. That's how this exactly. all feels. It's turtles all the. It's Legos all the way down. Legos. <laughs> Henning was right all Nothing along. Nothing is real. No sandboxes. Legos only. Not for me. Not for me. <laughs> Sandbox. Wow. Wow. We did it. Sort of. So, do you have anything else to say then, Torna? N- not if really. You watch, we, if we, you watch TV before you're married, you're wrong and you're bad. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this has been an interesting wow. journey. I don't. I don't even remember. I, honestly, I don't even remember what my question was that I posed at the beginning. Uh, and that's okay because we've talked a, l- a lot about just video games and TV and art in general, which I think is actually great. To the point of escapism, I don't know if we ever really address mm-hmm. that, but... No. 
to some, it might appear to be escapism and to others, you're actually connecting with people over leagues of league of legends. I didn't even say it right. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know if we can objectively say what is escapism because it's just going to appear to be like, you're just trying to forget about your real life by watching agents of shield for three hours or playing league for two hours with your friends, you know, like, Oh, I agree, hundred percent. Wow, same thing. We are postmodern, aren't we? At least Alex and I are. Oops, I, I, that's what I said while you were gone, Torna. And I was like, oh. I mean, I'm kind of a postmodernist, and if anything, it might be my goal to get Torna to a position of that, at least concerning <laughs> art. Sure, sure. So we have to have a. We're gonna have to have an episode just on postmodernism because there's people that like think they're postmodern. Which I'm guessing is maybe in the the world. Oh you're God, in. he's calling me out. And then and then there's the people that actually are living by that philosophy and ideology. That's their worldview, and so it has to dictate everything that they perceive. And those are the people that you listen to debates about, and they're like, "I can't tell a flat earther they're wrong because that's true for them," and so they're. As absolutely 100% as correct as I am in saying that the Earth is actually a sphere. This is good. I would like to leave it at that. Because, right, there's measurable objectivity, I would maybe like to argue. When it comes to art, it's like, I don't know that there is criteria that I can, like, prove or disprove something on. Yeah. Unfortunately. Maybe. Maybe uh, maybe there's Hmm. objective elements that can make art better but there's not objective elements that can make art bad like art is just something that's potentially made by a person or a human and then there's there's base art and then there's elevated art Uh, I, (laughs) I don't know I'll give art a pass for sure. I don't think any conclusion made about art has to apply to everything. Yeah, true. Especially because it's created like pretty much exclusively by humans. Right? So I'm like, all right, give it a pass. So maybe to sum up, uh, and by all means disagree with me if, if these are not the conclusions, but let people like stuff. Call out stuff if it's bad. Like, I'm I'm kind of on board of, like, leave a bad review. Say that the string on the ceiling is dumb. But also, you have to let people like it. Mm-hmm. Pyramid's not for me, but <laughs> all right. I'm not going to blow up the pyramids. You know what I mean? I'll leave a one star. It doesn't mean the product needs to go Can off the Can you imagine market. leaving a one star on Yelp for the pyramids and being like, it's two pyramids. Uh, Gaza? Too tall. Not for me. Pyramids Gaza. One star. Government didn't let me Not climb it. Not shady enough. <laughs> I didn't like the poolside resort. It was hot and I started chafing. Uh, the water bottles were $5 uh, each. That is a that's a gripe. That's a good Absolutely. gripe. I mean, market Disneyland. Come, come on. on, that is a captive market. Moderation if you've ever seen one is Disneyland. Yep. Moderation. True. Yes. Moderation and to 
to the extent of like, I don't know, addiction or guilt or escapism. This unfortunately is where like that same idea of postmodernist subjectivity is like you you should self-analyze. Ha ha as a current co-host, I can say personal responsibility. Yeah. You you should take personal responsibility and evaluate your life on am I addicted to this thing? Should I feel guilty about it? And am I tr- like escaping something? Am I running from something? Cuz if there's an answer to any of those things like reevaluate but unfortunately i don't think that anyone else can know that and that you will know that yourself mhm love it torna any final thoughts uh and no. discrepancies not really that was a pretty good summary i think those are good points and i would encourage I always encourage people, you know, some people like can't deal with the motion. They get motion sickness and stuff like that. But I'm like, I wish that everyone could like, you know, in a, in a world that's so inundated with, with social media and just constantly being in the digital world, it'd be interesting to see more people be introduced to video games Hmm. because, you know, all of our parents or grandparents, they're like on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're on YouTube yet somehow they're not getting introduced to video games and it would be kind of fun to see more people get to experience that. Mm. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of a fun, it's a fun. I can't believe grandma plays. I can't believe we talked about the progression of video games thus far. And we have, we never, especially when it comes, comes to escapism, we never even touched on virtual reality or augmented reality technology. Yeah, I'm just so not into Pretty it. Wild, not for me. <laughs> not for VR, me. Not for, not me. for me. Reality, for me. There you go. <laughs> you don't need Dwight's second. Second. Like, I'm gonna put life. on these goggles. Um, and and dance. But what if you could play Bioshock wearing those goggles and actually, like, feel your brain is tricked so well into thinking you're actually in the room with the big daddy. Um, it, no, that'd be a bad time. Bad? Good? I don't think people, uh, this is, no. <laughs> not for here's, me. Here's, here's what I'm going to, here, not for me. Here's what I am going to say. I don't think that people are ready. We haven't even adapted to what is like social media. I don't think people will be ready because I guarantee like full virtual reality, including like sensory experience will definitely be something that maybe even we see in our life. I definitely bet people are not ready to experience that. I mean, the early adopters are already here. We, it's only a matter of time before it reaches critical mass. I agree with both. Not, yeah, there's like, a difference between putting on I, goggles and being like, whoa, I'm really swinging the, the tennis racket, and I can see the tennis balls flying at my eyeballs, and like, I'm in this game, and... If I get punched, it's going to hurt my body for real. Or even just sheer terror. Yeah, honestly. That's a traumatic experience. As someone who loves Bioshock, and if you're like, would you like to actually play? Would you like to matrix into that game? I'm kind of like, um, I don't think so. Like, that feels like like this many degrees of separation, thank you, from the big daddy. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> as soon as I get scared enough, I pause and set the controller down, and I'm like, okay, let me pet my dog, enough. give my yeah. wife a kiss, like turn the lights on. <laughs> but I might just be like being a a future boomer in that, where everyone's like, yeah. And grandpa was scared of Pong, you know. <laughs> Should we put the string on the ceiling? Are they ready for Are human brains capable of string on ceiling? And they're like, whoa, better oh not. Oh my gosh. I, know, uh, yeah. I, my final thoughts are. I can't oh. wait for the day where I can VR into that art exhibit. <laughs> Dude, you can. Then you'll really There are know. arty museums that are offering like virtual tours where you can like, you can wear Oculus Rift and like tour a Paris art museum he needs to smell the string steven (laughs) there's more senses to just see i need to i need i need to be able to go and pluck it off the ceiling i need to to smell the twine (laughs) it's a multi (laughs) media experience uh i feel like this has got to be a story like uh unless i'm just dreaming of things like there was an art exhibit and like a janitor like threw it away because it, it was trash. It was trash. Yeah. It was like literally the exhibit yeah. was trash, and like the janitor was just doing his job. And they're like, "Oh my god, you threw you you threw away the art." He's like, uh, "You shattered my invisible sculpture." <laughs> what are you thinking, you monster? <laughs> you flossed with my ceiling string. My final thoughts. They're like, "You are- stole." <laughs> You stole my intellectual property of my invisible. <laughs> hey, what's that in your yeah. pocket? Is that an entire sculpture I made? Is that an invisible sculpture in your pocket, or are you just excited to see me? Oh, is that is that my art exhibit, or is that a Cliff Bar wrapper? Um, <laughs> my final thoughts are: Oh my gosh, if you're still here two hours in, thank you for saying it's not, or for not not saying it's not for me. How many negatives did I just put in there? It's not, not, It's not. for you. The whiskey bench is apparently for you because you've made it two hours into this. Well done. Proud of you. Thank you. We're just riffing, having a good time. Oh, my word, friends. Well, nothing is real, I guess. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Wowzers. Oh. Also, don't chug White Claw. Bad idea. Not Bad for idea me. or <laughs> good, for me. good experience that you have learned Not something from. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? No one would know. Nobody yeah. would know. No one wrote down their dissertation on why the pyramids are right. bad art. They just... They fucking they, died. They were just enslaved to put the next <laughs> you know? block on there. The guy that we remember was buried in the pyramids with jewels. It was literally for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> five stars. <laughs> that is a five star hotel right there. <laughs> King Tut. It's literally for me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly, and cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty.
We can only view it like through the context, like of what we were raised in, the religion that we were handed, and trying to make sense of it all. But basically, the only thing that's originally Kevin right now is his brain. Is he a human or a robot? Is he Kevin or not Kevin? Every time we have certain conversations, I immediately know that I feel, but not why I feel. Mm -hmm. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.